0: It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. This week, we're talking about monsters, and we're going to have a monster mash. Are you guys ready for a graveyard smash? I'm Candice, and with me is my co-host, who loves all things spooky, Bree. Hello. And we're really excited to have Fred from the Death Star Dispatch. And kind of sad we're not talking Star Wars. Hey, Fred.
1: Hey, I am so excited you just hit us with the monster mash intro.
0: I I couldn't help it because we're talking about the Universal monsters today. And I just automatically like think of those monsters all hanging out together and dancing because that is where my mind goes. And I'm not sure that's where Universal wants your mind to go at this point.
2: Well, it's true. Universal Studios, like the theme parks, had one of my favorite shows, which was all about Beetlejuice. Well, yes, it was Beetlejuice, but it had it featured all of the universal monsters yeah. or like the main ones. And my mom and I loved it so much. We would always go, and the Wolfman was always the cutest. Um <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a um, random of fact. I was just kidding. It was just funny. But you know, it was really fun and kind of Candace, they they kind of did do the graveyard smash. They sang um songs that didn't fit for them to mm-hmm. sing. Um Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein was like, oh, I don't need no men anymore. But then, you know, ended up getting back together with Frankie.
0: Yeah, they apparently went through a lot of edits of that and sadly that show got closed to in Orlando at least to make room for the Fast and the Furious ride, which is just a bunch of screens. Yeah.
1: That ride was very, very subpar.
0: It's disappointing. You with theme the parkour too, Fred?
1: Yeah, so we uh, my wife and I had actually went to Universal last year. Um, and I just had a brain fart. Cool. What? What was the question?
0: (laughs) Oh, are you a theme park fan too? (laughs)
1: Oh, I love, I love theme parks. So yeah, we, we did the universal thing last year and we wanted to go to Galaxy's Edge this year, but unfortunately that did not happen because of covid Oh, darn you,
2: COVID. But yeah, actually, when I moved moved to California and I went to Universal for the first time, they didn't have the Beetlejuice show either. So I think, I actually didn't do any research if they had it or not. But yeah, it was a really sad day when Orlando closed it.
0: Well, anyway, so today we're talking about the Universal Classic Monsters. And this was a horror topic that I was not scared to talk about. (laughs) That is why, one of the reasons we chose it. So let's just... Talk about the classic monster movies. Do you guys have a favorite?
1: It's hard for me to pick a singular favorite because, I mean, you think of one and you kind of start to think of them all and then you end up binging all of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's hard. I guess if I had to pick just a couple that stand out for me, um, Pride of Frankenstein, I really, really love. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I love Wolfman. I was always partial to more so as a kid than now. and I know this one isn't necessarily considered a classic Universal monster, depending on who you talk to, but the Phantom of the Opera.
0: That's mine. I mean, anything <laughs> well, Lon
1: anything Lon Cheney does Lon it's Taney, yeah. out of this world phenomenal, right?
2: Well, it is yeah. interesting because I know he's not considered one of the main ones. Cause if you look at everyone that is featured prominently in Universal, it's the Wolfman, it's the Mummy it's Dracula, it's you know, Frankenstein, every, kind of everyone, but they leave the Phantom in the dust and he was the first one. Yeah, that that was,
0: yeah, his movie was what got me into like the classic monsters because I'll admit, like when I was 10, I really went through like a Phantom of the Opera phase. So (laughs) I was like the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. (laughs) So I was like, let me watch everything Phantom of the Opera. And I just found it amazing that movie could be told without dialogue and still scare the bejesus out of me so i was really impressed like as a 10 year old well, writing that from you say
2: that um the no dialogue is is where the horror comes from because honestly if you if you kind of look at all the really best horror movies it's the buildup of the silence of the unknown that really gets you at times which i really enjoy
1: Oh yeah, could not agree more. Like you have Nosferatu was
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean it's still such a classic and it holds up to this day. It's one you can watch at any time. And one that isn't an American movie but one I truly love. It's uh The Man Who Laughs. That is a oh, brilliant Joker. silent movie.
2: Yeah.
0: So creepy and that's what a lot of people say inspired the Joker.
1: Yes. Yes, 100%. It's I mean it's uncanny the if you could put one next to the other, you know?
2: I mean, inspiration definitely comes from somewhere. But yeah, I agree. That's definitely what sparked it. And um, even if you look at all like Bella Lugosi as Dracula, those times where he's just moving his hand and almost like the beckoning, it's such a powerful moment. Um, it was kind of uh, Lugosi's like signature as well.
0: And what's creepy about him is he's like super charming and just like... This guy is just, like, talking to you, and then all of a sudden he's like, no, he's like a murderer.
2: Well, Ted Bundy. Exactly. (laughs) It's too real, Brie. It's too real. There's something beautiful in the horror movies. Uh, You know, back in the day, they kind of made those classic horror movies as, like, the outsiders. You know, the monsters were the outsiders, especially if you look at, like, Frankenstein and Wolfman. Um, Because Frankenstein's monster, I mean, the monster... It's Dr. Frankenstein, first of all. So, you know, he really doesn't even have a name. And he's very much so on the outside. Like, people don't understand him. He wasn't even sure why he's made. And, um, you know, in doing some research, a lot of the directors back in the day were gay. And they kind of made these monster movies as, like, to feature an outsider um, who's misunderstood in every way and no matter what so they an do exactly no matter what they do they are um perceived as evil
0: yeah it's really interesting going back into the old hollywood and figuring out like how these movies came to be need to talk like about the invisible man too yeah I definitely know if
2: it's, well,
1: there's you know there's quite a few of them. It's kind of hard to name them all. It's
2: hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, and
1: creature of the Black Lagoon as well. That's one. Oh we forgot yeah, about. that's a
2: great one. I can't forget him either. He's I mean, got it's, such
1: it's, a great design. I love that thing.
2: Hmm. I mean, creature from the Black Lagoon is what I you know. I know it's not a Universal Pictures, but it is what I always thought inspired um, the Shape of Water.
0: It is. Gilmore de Toro says he saw the movies as a young kid, and he's like, "Well, why doesn't she end up with him? It's a romance, because that's who he is—the
2: monster so, yeah, romance." It's, but it's so interesting. Um, and it's really beautiful. I'm like, I just rewatched The Shape of Water not too long ago, and it made me cry. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I know that one's not technically like horror, but it is. Again, for the outsiders and misunderstood.
1: Well, a lot of you know that's why a lot of people say that comedy directors and comedy writers make such great horror movies. Mm -hmm. It's because you know a lot of these things are they use the same elements and the same inspirations in their work. It's just told in a different way. So, you know, someone who writes really great horror could come out and make a really great love story, or someone who writes really great comedy could make one of the scariest horror movies you've ever seen. And more and more in today's modern cinema, you're starting to see more and more of that and inspiration from those Universal monsters too.
2: What I thought was interesting too was that whole wave of shock theater, which took place in the 1950s. And Universal decided to do um, a double feature of Dracula and Frankenstein to re-release it to the public. So to the American people. Um, And I think that took place in 1957. Um, But shock theater is another era that really um, kind of defined horror. Um, I think, you know, that I've always been like interested in kind of like uh, the typical like bad horror movies, (laughs) which I feel like they lump like some of the universal monster movies in even.
0: This is the first cinematic universe. Yeah. Because the monsters all like cross yeah. over and they're all connected. Yeah. Because
2: mm-hmm. you have
1: like Frankenstein we, uh, meets the wolf man and, you know, that spawns off. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. It is the first cinematic
2: universe. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein <laughs> is one of the movies, they which is Mummy, Invisible Man, they get, they get
0: around. And yeah. it's kind of funny that like just like 20 years later, they're already like spoofing these characters because they become such icons.
2: Oh, yeah. I think. It was such a force to be reckoned with. You know, Universal was at its at its prime when it, it came, you know, decided to do the quote-unquote Universal monsters. It really uh, put them on the map.
1: Yeah, you know, not only were they able to do all of these monsters that were never done before, but also do them in, you know, a rather short amount of time,
2: mm-hmm. which would
1: allow all of the actors to not you know, age too much or whatever. So you can have years of collaborations with the other films and it, it really, they knocked it out of the park. I mean, whoever was planning that, I didn't do enough research, obviously, but whoever was planning all of this, I mean, they deserved a raise. <laughs> very, very well done. And it obviously it proved to be something special because here we are, you know, a hundred years later, still talking about them.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the first producers was Carl, um, Lamley and he was one who produced the family opera Then went on to produce Dracula and then the Spanish version of Dracula. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, the mummy invisible man, um, Frankenstein, the bride of Frankenstein. And literally those are back to back. I mean, like Dracula came, the release date was um, February fourteenth, nineteen thirty one, and then it goes back to back. Frankenstein came out November twenty first, nineteen thirty one. Mummy, December twenty second, nineteen thirty two. Like it is insane.
0: Oh, it's just interesting that it's like Carl Junior was given the position of head of Universal for his twenty first birthday.
2: Oh, yeah. A little nepotism there. I would just a say. little, a little. But, but he- I mean, he got the job done.
0: He did. He was the one who realized that these horror movies were just like money makers and they were crowd pleasers. And he realized people wanted to be
2: scared like that. It's why cheap horror films are the easiest to get produced in Hollywood.
1: And I think there's some of the best, to be honest. If you If you can find some really good cheap horror movies, I think the lack, for whatever reason, the lack of a big studio actually makes it creepier because they have to work with what they've got. You know, just like, I mean, I know this was a bigger title, but you know, John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah, what did they do? They didn't like design some crazy mask. They just took a a Shatner mask and painted it white and cut the eyes out and said, "Here, this'll work."
2: Iconic horror, you know, icons to the state too. Michael,
1: exactly. So uh, you know those those looks that are simplistic and the films that might not have the budget, but have that heart behind it and have a really strong idea, they makes for some amazing horror movies. And my wife and I are always looking out for, you know, some cheaper horror movies to go see because you never know what kind of hidden gems you're going to find.
2: It's true. Like, I don't know if you remember the boogeyman uh, movie with um, Barry Watson.
1: I don't think I do actually.
2: You're going off topic. I know I am, but I have a reason. (laughs) That movie was the great game. up into a certain And it's when they showed the boogeyman is when it all came crashing down because they tried to do something CGI, tried to make it look scary. But what I feel like the universal classic monsters got right. And if anyone really kind of follows that pattern, like you were saying, John Carpenter technically followed the universal monsters code. They kept it simple. <laughs> and those simple ones kind of instill the most fright in you. Because Candace, you don't like you don't like Dracula, right?
0: I do like Dracula. Who doesn't like Dracula?
2: Oh, I thought you I thought you were maybe that was someone else. I thought you were scared of it. You're just scared of a lot of things. So I never can keep trying. Hey, Hey, hey. <laughs> Yeah, I'm scared of it,
0: but I don't mind it. I just hate like unnecessary gore and that's what happens in a lot of horror movies. Well, yes. I like suspense and some
2: Spooks, but yeah, and some spooks,
0: yes, yeah, no. exactly.
2: But that, no, that's so totally. I love the
0: universal horror movies, <laughs> it's so, great.
2: It's I really- mean, when they did their remake era, which mm-hmm. was 1979 to 2010, one of the best movies came out of it. <laughs> Do you please tell me you guys know which one I'm talking about, right?
0: No, I know, but I really wouldn't consider the because it's from 1979 to 1999. I know like at least in Wikipedia they consider it, but we can skip that 1979 Dracula because it didn't do that great.
2: No, it didn't. But that's what started the remake era, but you know which one I'm talking about of the remake era, that is.
0: The early 2000s, well, 1999, The Mummy.
2: Yes, which is the best
1: remake. There's just nothing better than good old Brendan Fraser going to town in The Mummy.
2: Oh, I know. The script is funny. And that's when you were saying kind of, Fred, where you were like the best – like some of the best comedy writers can write the best horror movies. And I think it worked in that manner. It meshed uh, comedic wit. It was funny. It didn't take itself too seriously. But the serious parts were kind of really creepy. I mean, I still remember those Beatles I was about
1: to say as a child I used to have nightmares about those beetles. I used to wake up thinking the beetles were under my skin and I'd freak out.
2: Yep. Oh. Oh cuz you could just feel it. Oh, I know I'm feeling it right now. Like it it's that feeling Great. That, nightmares what? tonight. Hmm?
0: Nightmares tonight. Oh no, I'm good. I'm having them
2: right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is we don't have to go to sleep for this. but We can feel them as we're talking
2: about it. Exactly. Like that scene haunts me. I remember just you're just like What's wrong with this guy? And then you just remember the bulge of this beetle underneath his skin. And ooh. yeah,
1: it still gives me the heebie jeebies yes. when I think
2: about it. And and honestly, that script was so well written. And when they tried to do their whole new like reboot of the Universal Monsters and they wanted to remake the mummy, everything that I loved about the mummy, they took out. And I don't know why they did that.
1: Yeah, that's totally fair. And let's be real. The Scorpion King was, um, as a movie, you know what? The Scorpion King wasn't too terrible, right? But the the Dwayne CGI? Johnson CGI
2: <laughs> was hurt. very bad. Well, it, uh, it
1: hurts me so bad.
2: I hate CGI. Candace knows this.
0: Bree, you hate bad CGI. I keep I telling know. them this bad
2: because bad. there's a difference. I know, good CGI was in Jurassic Park. Everything else is bad CGI.
1: Yeah, you know, practical effects in horror movies, though, I think are always going to reign reign supreme in my mind.
2: Oh, 100%.
0: The CGI in the Mummy movies is terrible, but I feel like the movie is so
2: charming, we don't care. Well, the 1999 one, yes. Yeah, it's
1: good enough, like, for sure. And, you know, remember, like, in 1999, CGI was still brand new so you know even if the cgi wasn't that good it's like okay this is fine and i don't remember my first viewing of scorpion king when i was growing up but i know i remember what i watched it maybe like three or four years ago again and when he goes into his you know scorpion form i i was just like i have to turn this off this is horrible this (laughs) aged so poorly
2: I don't think it was good at the time either. No. <laughs> plus, was. like I feel like I really only count The Mummy and The Mummy Returns as like my favorites of the Mummy right. remakes. Oh yeah. Um, and and two. you really don't care about the CJ because the script is so good because the acting is so good. I I I could deal with that. <laughs> So
0: let's talk about the attempt at a reboot of the Universal Classic Monsters universe. Because what happens is every studio sees, oh, Marvel's doing great. And they don't think about why they're doing great. They just think, oh, well, they have a series of movies. We should do that.
2: Like what you were saying, Candice, though, is that they're the ones who originated that universe. Yeah, they-
0: They don't learn from themselves is an issue, you know? So they did a soft reboot with Dracula Untold with Luke Evans in 2014 when they made Dracula into like an action hero.
2: Yeah, I didn't even bother watching that one to be quite honest.
0: Good. Good. Did you? You didn't (laughs)
2: miss out on much, don't worry.
0: Yeah, I did. Oh, no. This was in 2014, and it's a mess. But Luke Evans says he's still under contract as Dracula. So, who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, the movie that you're talking about, the 2017 movie, Mummy. Well, there is the Mummy another with-
2: Dracula movie.
0: Yes. But um, the 2017 The Mummy with Tom Cruise was hyped up and it went nowhere. Well, no. <laughs> and it's so funny because they have um, Dr. Jackal in that movie, played by Russell Crowe, and they're like, Extended Universe. I actually you... thought that
1: Russell Crowe did that really well. Like, I yeah. think he was like him and uh, the the actual mummy of the movie. I like that they made it a female. I like that they, you know, they twisted the story just enough for you to for it to be different and fresh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everything else fell extremely flat, and I hated it.
2: Yeah, the script <laughs> so was not great at all.
1: It wasn't. And, you know, Tom, Tom did the best that Tom can do. But it wasn't at the end of the day, it wasn't any acting issues. It was the story and the script. Yeah,
2: Yeah. it was
0: definitely script. It was a whole putting the cart before the horse kind of thing. It was just planning because if you think about, okay, so technically the Hulk movie was the first in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then Iron Man is really what people consider the start. But the only hint of an Universe is at the post-credit scene with Samuel Jackson saying, "Hey, have you heard of the Avengers?" The movie stands alone without that scene, but they were just shoehorning all this stuff in, and even opens with a Dark Universe logo at the beginning. So th- it was just like they were feeding you this movie and being like, "You're gonna like this," and we we're like, "Nah." Yeah, no.
2: It it really did. Again, that's what i was saying. The 1999. 2001 mummy movies, everything I loved about those movies, they destroyed and not in a good way.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about the most recent good the invisible version. Man. Yes. The invisible man that actually came up this year. Right. Did you see it, Candace? Yeah, I did, but it was this year, right? Oh my God. It yeah. Was it was February. This year.
1: Was, it was, it, like was it actually this year? I felt like I watched this last year. No, it was
0: February, it was 2020. February 28th,
2: 2020. I rented it on the YouTube. To watch.
0: Yeah. I rented it, was, it on Prime. It feels like forever ago. Yeah. Time
2: has no meaning. None. But I love this movie so much. I loved it. I thought it was such a witty take on reinventing a classic horror monster movie, which I didn't even, like when watching it, I was I didn't even like think about that. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't sitting there and watching. Wow. This is a reboot of a classic horror monster. I was so invested in the film. That was like only afterwards, I was like, oh, wow, that was a great retelling of a story. Yeah,
1: it feels fresh enough to where you're not even really correlating it with the classic version of its former, you know. Self, yeah. Versions, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's they did a really great job separating itself, but also keeping the same core pieces there. So, I mean, bravo, hats off. They did a really good job with this one.
2: Yeah, It. Uh, the director, Lay. I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong. Uh, Win- Winnell. It looks like that. Um, I mean, he wrote it as well, invented the story, directed it. I think just like, and and didn't actually have a big budget either. Like it was more so, well, I, I take a shot at it, you know, because they had already given up on kind of their whole like MCU fantasy. And oh, do
0: you remember they were announcing all those thing, all those people like, Javier Bartim as the wolf man mm-hmm. and Johnny Depp as the Invisible man and all these, like, crazy, like, casting. Yeah. I think Scarlett Johansson was going to be either bride – No, she was going to be, like, creature from the Black Lagoons, like, lady. Mm, maybe. And, yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, all these things and – some of them are still in production, apparently.
1: Which is kind of weird because if you like go back and you really think about it, just it just kind of sounds like the craziest fan cast like on Acid. It yeah, it, it sounds it feels, like it
2: doesn't work. It doesn't. It work. feels like
0: they just like. We're playing celebrity and just picked out like names out of a jar. Well, you know,
2: the here's the thing: Bella Lugosi wasn't Bella Lugosi when he first started as Dracula. You know, Boris Karloff wasn't Boris Karloff. You know, uh, they were made into icons from these characters that they portrayed. When you're putting in someone, and I hate to say it, but someone like Johnny Depp now, who has such a big name, if you throw him as the Invisible Man, it's just Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. There is no like. Other substance there um you'd just be watching him as the invisible man whereas this version it it didn't feel like i was watching like an elizabeth moss movie you know like it just felt like a good movie and i was terrified for her all throughout yeah
1: you know i don't i don't particularly like when they use like the big name actors either I think you know. I here we go. I'm going to talk about Star Wars. Surprise! They don't ever use you know name brands for Star Wars up until more recently, where you have you know your Samuel L. Jackson and. But going back to like the original trilogy, Mark Carey and Harrison were essentially nobodies yeah, they were before unknown. they got their roles, and now look at them now they're icons, right? So I do think though that when it comes to universal monsters. If I can unlink Johnny Depp from The Invisible Man and put him anywhere else, I actually think he would be the one exception because Johnny Depp in makeup, in, you know, really full costumes, nine times out of ten, he's going to nail that
2: role. That's true. I, you know what? He might be interesting as like a Frankenstein type or, you know, um, someone maybe you wouldn't expect him as. and it could. He does like yeah.
1: Yeah. I would actually like to see him He'll as the Phantom.
2: Oh, the Phantom! No, that would be. I interesting. think it would
1: be great as the oh. Phantom because you're not going to see his face the whole time, yeah. and you know he said he doesn't like to see his face anyway. He's super self conscious, so that's kind of why he likes to fully immerse himself into his roles. So seeing him play someone like the Phantom, who's wearing a mask the whole time, and then when they take it off, is nothing like a human. So yeah, that could be you know, and he's, he's charming too. So.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, that's what I to to that. I would love to see a new Phantom because I feel like the musical has taken over <laughs> that character and he is not a romantic hero. He is a monster, maybe an under a misunderstood monster, but he still does some horrific things.
2: And well, the thing is it, in, in the musical too, he was doing horrific things as well. Like he wasn't a good guy. You but know. he
0: sang really well
2: yes he, sang, he and he talked sang about really the music of the night. Yes, I understand. Like, his voice was magical. I know, I know. But the thing is, at the end I of the day, he was, he was toxic myself. and misunderstood, but toxic. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know. He murders people in the, even the musical. Yes, so. he definitely
2: does. He murders. No, he, he, he does. That
0: <laughs> should have been a red rock for 12-year-old me, but it wasn't. I was like, hello.
2: Yeah, he that's, that's like, like a, a musical voice can't, can't be swayed if you commit, um felonies <laughs> um i'm interested to see how they're going to do the invisible woman though because it's the director for the invisible man lay Winnell, who did the story
0: oh, Winnell?
2: yes he, he did everything so director screenwriter story of the invisible man right the sequel yeah. is going to be directed by elizabeth banks and the story is by her and they have a completely different writer, which I'm excited for. She's female, Erin Christinda Wilson. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, I'm interested to see how that story is going to unfold with a totally new set of like crew.
0: So this is actually a separate movie. This isn't going to be based. This isn't a sequel to The Invisible Man. Lee is getting his own movie to be announced.
2: I know he's doing The Wolfman
0: but he's also doing um the a sequel to his 2020 movie but Elizabeth Banks was given the option uh, of picking any of the universal monsters to make a movie about like it was their contract or something like that and she chose the invisible woman i don't know why but it'll be interesting to see what she does with
2: that that's true okay oh so it's so yeah, not even going to be related to the other one and Lee's going to have his own copy that yeah that's interesting. Maybe they'll team up mm, later. That could be on, interesting you know. for sure. Yeah. No. Now, now I'm more excited for it. I was confused at first. <laughs> um, what do you
0: guys think about Bloomhouse's involvement in this pro- in the Universal Monsters?
2: Well, it worked for the Invisible Man. You know, I, I think Bloomhouse Blumhouse- is smart with with horror movies, even though they well, make they're
0: the- really smart. Because they do those small budgets and then they do a bunch of movies and some of them are flops. Some of them are huge hits and they definitely make their money back.
1: Yeah, it's kind of TBD for me. It just really depends. Yeah, like Invisible Man was a fantastic movie, but now we have to see what they take with their next steps.
2: That's true, if they can keep it up. Because they are great, but they do flop sometimes.
1: But to be fair, I mean, every you know, every group or every studio or every director has their flops, you know, so I can't really, I can't hold them too accountable. I mean, yeah, it's their fault at the end of the day, but (laughs) I can't really hold them too accountable for, you know, having a flop. It's just the nature of the business. So I think until we see whatever they're going to do next... That's when we'll be able to kind of gauge how this whole thing is going.
2: Well, I think they trust certain people more. Like if you trust your director, you trust the screenwriter to do their jobs at the end of the day, it's going to be good. Whereas the movies that really tend to flop are a lot of the producers or their studios worried about the script. So they try and put too many cooks in one kitchen and it explodes.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
2: I'm just thinking of Suicide Squad, which I know Candace. (laughs) I always bring up in some certain way when talking about this but it's true
1: well suicide squad is very off topic wow suicide squad was was a mess um you know it, it wasn't I don't I don't think suicide squad was horrible a, as a overall production but not no they
2: had I think because technically too they're in an extended universe right that's all part of like the DC Um, I just feel like they didn't trust anyone because they went through so many versions of it. And I feel like it's kind of like why The Mummy probably didn't go as smoothly because so many people were involved in trying to make it such a big hit that it ended up being a flop.
1: Yeah, you're probably right about that. I mean, good things did come out of it, though. I mean, Birds of Prey was a great movie. Yeah. So, you know, they... Hopefully, and hopefully, uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad will be good. It looks like it's going to be good.
2: I am excited so. for it. I mean, that's the whole thing. I think, you know, you take one step forward, two step backs with trying to create, like, uh, these worlds. And, I mean, even even <laughs> the classic monster movies that we all know and love, I mean, it, it definitely has gone through their fear of, like, fair share of not so great movies. I mean, I was never a fan of like The Son of Dracula or, you know, The House of Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, they all they all have their flops. And even in, you know, modern day, you have your Halloween movies. I don't know what that franchise is doing right now. Um, that one kind of hurts me because Halloween number one and I guess number two are my favorite horror films of all time. Oh yeah. Those and are
2: classics.
1: I don't, you know, obviously it takes kind of a weird, a weird turn and a weird dive down as the years went on, but now they've like rebooted it. And they were like, you know what? The first Halloween movie happened and everything after that never happened. And now Laurie Strode is just, a, is, you know, basically suffering with mental illness in her house. And she has a completely booby, uh, booby trapped and she's just waiting for Michael. and, It's like the second one didn't happen or anything else after that. And now supposedly without giving spoilers on that reboot Halloween in case anybody hasn't seen it. And now they're doing another one that's supposed to come out this year that this might be the first time I'm not excited for a Halloween movie.
0: Yeah, Um, I doubt it's going to come out this year.
2: Probably not. Um, I know this is kind of getting back to the remake era, Did you guys watch Van Helsing? Because it was directed and written by Stephen Somers, who did The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Um,
0: I know for a fact we watched this together because I played it at my Halloween party one year.
2: Yes, I know we watched it together.
0: I know. I had a fog machine and a projector, and I put it, like, really big, and I was like, ooh, it's spooky, but it's not too scary, and it's really awesome. And at the time, I thought it was a brilliant movie. But as an adult... Now that I'm smarter and wiser,
2: it is trash. It's awful.
1: The Hugh Jackman Van Helsing yes, movie?
2: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Okay, so I haven't watched it in a few years, but I remember the last time I watched it, I was like, definitely didn't age like I remembered it, but it's still kind of okay.
0: It's really campy. But like, but it's not it a good good camp. Like, like, like the mummy, though. They try to make Van Helsing into like a, a James Bond of the monster era. He yeah. even has his own kid, which is a monk. It's
2: weird. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I like he was so brilliant with the mummy and mummy returns. I was like looking forward to Van Helsing. And then that came out of it. And I was just like, why?
1: Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they did kind of overdo it a little bit.
2: It was weird. I just expected more from, from him, you know?
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean... It's kind of weird like as an it's weird cuz you have to give these these views in like two different points of your life. The first point being when you're, you know, younger and you see it for the first time and then later as an adult how did it hold up?
2: I don't think I liked it both times.
1: I remember loving it as a kid.
2: Did you just want to be Van Helsing?
1: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I have a hat like that, but <laughs> am I Van Helsing or am I Dave Filoni? I'll let you decide.
2: Who knows what I think needs to happen. Um, Universal needs to get it was it was distributed by Universal Pictures. Great, so Universal Pictures needs to create the musical puppet version of Van Helsing from Forgetting Sarah Marshall.
0: Oh my god, I would pay for that.
2: Me too. I want it. Have you
0: seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Fred?
2: It Uh, has been a long time. No worries. Um, The main character creates a musical um, that is with puppets of uh, Van Helsing and Dracula. And it is the best thing I've ever seen in a movie, within a movie. And I want it. And since it was distributed by Universal, I think they just need to create a puppet movie musical of In Helsing and Dracula, and that should be included in the new reboot.
1: This definitely took an unexpected turn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about it, though. I'm going to have to look just at least at
2: Cena. Yeah, there's several. It's the best.
0: Yeah, we were talking about the theme park Beetlejuice horror review show. Yes. Yes. Universal is opening a third park, well, a fourth park if you count volcano bay and it's called epic universe and people have speculated based on the concept art that was released that there's kind of like a spooky ooky like european town Ooh. that definitely could host some monsters
2: Ooh. so they could,
0: they could get their whole land like they've had universal Horror Night houses which they were supposed to have this year and i was really disappointed because i love that kind of stuff
1: i do too
2: me too
0: so they could definitely have those. Like, imagine those monsters like roaming around. Maybe like a Frankenstein lab tour. It'd be super cool.
1: Yeah, that would be that would actually be fantastic. I know. Uh, when my wife and I went last year, we went for the, the what what do they call it? The 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 Friday night fright, whatever fright nights. Is that what they call it at Universal? Horror nights. Horror nights. Yeah. So we went to those. We went to like two of them. We were there for like a week, and that was a lot of fun. But if you if they would do something like. Like Frankenstein's lab tour. Oh, oh I'd be all about be so that. I would, I would pay that. 100 percent
2: Take my money. Yeah,
1: and we'll just mean take it have, all.
0: Yeah. They have a lot of space over there. Um now it's open to Yeah, now it's it's not open to 2024 now. God, we're gonna be old mm. then. Great. 2024?
1: Oh my god, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 30. <laughs> oh, I can't. Can oh I go God. to theme parks
2: after I am thirty? Yes, you can. Oh God.
0: Yeah, we still go to theme parks. Well, we used to before COVID, the COVID time.
2: COVID itself is its own universal monster, isn't it? But <laughs> big facts.
0: We were thinking about talking about the purge, but the more like twenty twenty is the purge. Do you guys have anything else to say
2: about? I am glad the classics are getting rebirth in the correct way. I just hope they can keep it up.
1: I was about to say the same thing. I hope they can keep up (laughs) the momentum that they've built with Invisible Man.
0: Yeah. So I quoted the iconic song, Monster Mash, at the beginning. In February 2020, a musical was announced called Monster Mash, which will include the monster singing. Are you guys not excited?
1: I am, but I need some details.
0: Um, There are no details because it was announced in February, and then like next month everything got shut down. So I'm really hoping it still happens.
2: Is it a movie or yeah, cuz it's going to be it's called Monster Mash, right? Yeah, it's
0: it's a, it's a movie. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, so it's a movie. I thought it was like a Broadway production or something.
0: If it becomes popular, you know they'll bring it to Broadway. Yeah, the original treatment Matt Swarski, who earned a 2010 Grammy nominations for Silo's Greens FU music video. So he's a music video director so that will be interesting
1: that is interesting is it gonna be is it gonna be live action are they gonna have like animation
2: i don't know yet they're very interesting if it if it was a live action version of the beetlejuice review
0: with a plot
2: yeah
1: that could be interesting i'd be on board with that
0: Hey, give us all the monsters, but just do it right, right? Yes. And just don't have that
2: kit and cat cheerleader duo because they made no sense oh, in the show. I remember them. Yeah. They um, like added them to like freshen it up. And I was like, why? <laughs> why though? <laughs> why though? Like, why, why, why did you need to do this? For why? For what?
0: So they could sing those happy songs. I think they sang like, hey, Mickey. And that was like, yes, really and it random.
2: made no sense. I was like, stop, get off.
0: So, Fred, (laughs) how can people find you online?
1: Hi, hello. So you can find me all over the internets on on Twitter at Death Star Dispatch, ending in T because Twitter loves to limit my characters. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Death Star Dispatch, on YouTube at Death Star Dispatch, and on anywhere you listen to podcasts at Death Star
2: Dispatch.
0: Awesome. And we'll definitely have you on for some Mando Saturdays, which we're really hyped about. And maybe because some other
2: horror topics, if yeah, I can convince Candace.
1: I will always do anything about horror or Star Wars. So you bring them both to me, I'll do them both. <laughs> I don't care. if Same show, different show. Doesn't matter to me. I'm all about it.
2: That's great. Bree, can you tell people how to find us? Of course. You can find us at thegeekywaffle.com. That houses all of our blogs um, by our amazing writers. And also, we'll link you to all of our podcast episodes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle, headed by our amazing Candace. Uh, And, you know, uh, I think Baby Yoda is still trying to gossip a lot. So, you know, check out his stuff. He
0: has taken over our Twitter a few times. And... We will not be silenced. We Uh, will not. I mean,
2: baby Yoda can like talk about chicken nuggets all he wants, but you know, I was going to
1: say, I think he's taken over more than a few times. It's been an exciting (laughs) journey to watch though.
0: He, he has some issues with us telling the truth about his little tantrums. He has, but that's just a whole nother story. It's Maggie and I have a video coming out about that soon. Perfect.
1: At least yours talks. Mine won't talk to me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we try to have him on the podcast, but every time you put a mic in front of him, he just shuts up.
2: We catch him candidly. You know, candid moments of baby Yoda. Um but yeah, so check that out, please. Um you can watch the feud happen <laughs> live on Twitter. And um Yes. Oh, and, and join our uh Facebook community group, Geeky Waffles. We're 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 geeks in there, so come come hang.
0: That's a good good to description. We're geeks. <laughs> We're geeks. Well, thank you, Fred, so much for joining us, and Brie, I'm so glad you got your spooky ookie monster talk out. I mean, it's still not
2: fully out, so Fred will have no, to. I know it's not. It's I'm never, down.
0: It would. It would never be fully out. Never. <laughs> but I'm glad ever. you got to express yourself and. Do this while Vanessa and I go hide and watch like Halloween Town for the twentieth
2: time. I mean, I'll watch that one too, just because I like spooky, spooky stuff too. I spooky
1: love bo- Halloween Town.
2: Right, it's, it's a so good.
1: Halloween Town okay. might be my favorite, my favorite Halloween era movie of all time.
0: Oh damn, that was another. That's a whole other episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to save this. We're gonna have to save this.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're writing it down. Thank you all for listening. Stay geeky. Oh, you should have said, stay spooky. Okay, well, I'm keeping that in, Brie. <laughs>